This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 44 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I'm talking to one of my writing friends. I'm talking to Meg Latour. We're going to discuss the traditional publishing industry. It's a fascinating insight into the other side of publishing, or the other side to me, I should say. Uh, but regardless of whether you're traditionally published or wanting to be traditionally published, whether you're hybrid or a pure indie author, I think you'll find something uh, useful in this episode. But first to last week's question, where I asked, what job does your character have? We had stacks of responses, so thank you very much to everyone who replied and commented. Yanni commented that before her untimely death, my MC was a conscientious, unappreciated office clerk. After her death, well, I think saviour of mankind. Ritu said, I have a few main characters, which means a few jobs. One is a in a call centre, one's a fashion designer, one runs a family-owned business, and one is a visual concept designer and photographer. Val Neal said, a retail clerk. I've been through that hell so I could write it accurate, accurately. Tim Seabrook says, fantasy genre, so he is a, well, I'm assuming it's a male. It could be a female, but student to rogue. Kim uh, Neeskins Walters, I hope I said your name right, said from farmer to refugee to magic wielding badass. I love the last job. Christine Matthews said of my three current whips, one is a queen, one's a vegetation goddess and the third is a scribe. Amy Sun said horticulturalist like me and there were many more so thank you very much to Charlotte, Renee C, Jasmine, Carrie, uh, Alexis, Edwin, Tom, Amy, Renee G, Roxandra, April, Victoria, LK, Kim and Matt for all of those comments. I'm sorry I can't reply to everybody um, but I did want to say thank you I did read all of your comments. My question this week then is what method of publishing are you following or would you like to follow and do I suppose, yeah, I guess expand and explore that. Are you looking at multiple types of publishing? Just one? Yeah, tell me, tell me what you are going to do. The book recommendation of the week this week is Be a Writing Machine by M.L. Ron. Uh, and I will talk about uh, why I'm recommending this book when I go into my personal update. And all of the links for this book are going to be in uh, the show notes. So you can grab yourself a copy and I highly recommend that you do. And on that note, into my personal update. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the non-fiction collaboration that I was alluding to some time ago. I think I did end up mentioning that I was co-writing with Jay Thorne. He basically is creating a collaborative non-fiction series with several different authors, um, myself being one of them, and the whole series is nine things career authors don't do. So 
Um, I don't want to talk for him uh, and I think I'm going to be doing a mini episode in between episode for you guys um, on each of the books but essentially um, I think uh, the series is well as it says on the tin things that, that you shouldn't do if you want to be a career author. The two topics that I um, have written books on are Rebel Mindset, which is totally in line with this podcast, so I'm hoping you guys will be interested in that book. And then the second one is on money. Um, so the the I think they're both on pre-order. The one that comes out first is the uh, Rebel Mindset one, which comes out on the 18th of August, which is next week, as you're, if you're listening in um, real time. Um, and yes, yeah, so look out for that bonus mini episode with me and Jay, where I will delve into much more detail about the book, the series, and both books that um, we have been uh, writing. And I will include a pre-order link in the show notes. You only have to wait a week, so it's not very long. Um, so go pre-order, and yeah, you will hear more about that in time. It has been quite the week this week. I busted my MCL ligament in my knee, so I ended up uh, spending a bit of time in urgent care. I'm completely fine. I was training and uh, ducking and kicking and punching in taekwondo, so it was completely self-inflicted um, injury. Uh, but yeah, not particularly happy. I have gone back to training because I'm desperate to lose some weight, and <laughs> now I'm injured, which is... Probably because I'm slightly overweight, but never mind. I will uh, rest it up and heal, and and then hopefully I will go back to um, training very soon. So that was the first thing that happened this week, and uh, my week didn't really get much better. I, um, however, I have made so many decisions this week it's unbelievable and that is in part thanks to the business uh, away day that I had with Dan Wilcox who is my co-author co-author <laughs> co-host it's late on Sunday as you can tell words are now difficult for me uh yes he's my co-host on the next level authors podcast which if you haven't listened to it I highly recommend you go over there and uh, have a listen to that show and we basically um, looked at our businesses, we looked at what we're doing, what we've done, what we could be doing in the future and oh boy I had some mega revelations which I'm going to go through now. Okay so uh, revelation decision one is that I am not going to be editing anymore um, or at least for the foreseeable future I you know there may come a time when I have to go back to editing um, or I choose to go back to it but for now um, I am not taking on clients I've taken down my editing page I have removed it from my autoresponders and oh my god it feels very scary to be saying this on the podcast because this makes it so much more official I can't really go back on my words now I've said them um so yes basically I'm quitting because um oh, so many reasons it doesn't bring me as much joy as it used to um I find it frustrating that I'm only helping one person as opposed to helping many people with my books or the courses that I'm developing um and also it is extremely time intensive and it drains the creative well as well for me so when I'm editing I for clients I also I can't then also work on my stuff so um I'm I'm at the point where um 
I can afford not to do it um, and therefore I'm going to just to see whether or not it makes a difference in my productivity. So yeah, that is the first big decision that I made this week. The second big decision is that my young adult fantasy series, which when I originally created it was going to be six books and a prequel, then about 18 months ago I dropped it to five books and a prequel. Um, and on the Business Away Day, basically, uh, Dan talked to me and was a sounding board and I got to the point where, uh, after his suggestion, I am going to make it a four series book. So it will be ending um, on the next book. I am very close to finished with the third book. So the next one that I write will be the last one, apart from the prequel, which I will also write. Um, and that fills me with excitement because I really want to write some other things. I feel like I have grown a lot since I started that series. And unless I change the character voices, I, I kind of have to still write in the same voice. Of course, I have polished the prose as I've gone through the books um, because my writing is improved but um it, it, I just feel like it's time to write something else I have got some ideas about uh, some series and books that I am super excited to write and I feel will be um, a level up in terms of my writing so I'm desperate to get on with those books as well and the next thing that I decided and had a revelation over was to do with the book Be a Writing Machine by ML Leron. Uh, ML Ron, sorry, it's because his name is Michael Leron. Um, but basically, um, I have been very stuck with writing. Um, for a really long time and as you know I've spoken about how it's taken me two fucking years to finish this book uh, that I'm currently writing on and it's because I fucked up the writing process. I basically fucked up how I write. I changed things and um, not for the better. I think also doing the developmental editing had an impact on it. So anyway, in his book he has a fantastic quote which I am going to read to you. It goes, if you want to be prolific, learn to love the process of writing, every piece of it. If you can't learn to love a particular part of the process, commit to eliminating it. Now, that was absolutely shocking to me because of course you can't remove any part of the writing process, it's part of the writing process. But uh, the more I pondered and the more I uh, read on, the more I realised actually I really could cut out the bits that I don't like and it would stop slowing me down and it would make me feel so much better and I would enjoy the process um, fully because, you know, I don't really believe in all this bullshit around um, drafting, or not drafting, but, you know, writing having to be difficult or all of that. Um, you know, he's completely right. Why not just cut out the bits that you don't like? Now, of course... Um, you might all be wondering how on earth one can do that. So let me ex use me as an example. So the bit I hate about writing is um, if I have written without an outline and so I'm writing into the dark and I then have to do a huge structural edit, which is basically what happened with this book and it just stopped me. So I like to get structurally my books right on the first go and that's because I think at heart I am an outliner, although my books 
will sometimes vary from that outline. Broadly speaking, I am an outliner and that works with my Myers-Briggs and it just makes sense. So how then, I can hear you asking, am I going to get rid of um, that sort of messy first draft? Well, um, Dan suggested that I write something called a skinny draft, which basically will be a step up from an outline, but not as, as dense as a first draft. So I will outline in the normal way, which means um, I'm incapable of getting a very um, intense, uh, full, long outline. I usually outline on post-its, um, but I will then take those post-its and turn them into three to 500 uh, word chapters. So it will be the full chapter. I will include the essence of the story, the major plot points, the emotional tags. Um, I guess if I want to, I'll write full paragraphs. But the point is to um, like take the pressure off me um, and uh, just let the story go without being bogged down in detail and getting it right. So each chapter will be three to five hundred words. It, it could be slightly more, um, but it will mean that the uh, book first draft would be between 15 and 25k. What that will also do is enable me to veer off um, if I get any ideas for that aren't included in the outline without... <laughs> having to write thousands of words and fucking up and having to cut, you know, 12K or whatever. You know, I think I, I cut 12 or 15K from Trey uh, in the last couple of weeks. So, um, sorry, my, my chair is squeaking, if anybody can hear that. Um, yeah, so it, it will give me um, more, I guess it's like a step, yeah, it is halfway between an outline and a draft, uh, but it gives me the flexibility to, um, veer off and explore things that come up as ideas without having to draft all of those and then later cut them. So I am super excited about this and it has really motivated me and given me a bit of a kick uh, to get tray finished so that I can dive into using that with my next um, book. So just a note to say I have a lot of emails from uh, readers and listeners that I haven't responded to yet. Uh, the rest of my week was a bit mad and I'm extremely behind on everything at the moment. So I apologise. I do have your emails. I absolutely will reply to you. Um, I just haven't yet. Um, so yeah, let's move on. That is it really from me on the personal update because I didn't really work on trade this week and I didn't get any course progress done either. So moving swiftly on. Listener Revel of the Week this week is Victoria L.K. Williams. Victoria says, My inner rebel happened when I started my first semester of college. I was in the landscape design slash development class during a time when women were scarce in the field. Our professor walked into the room, looked at us looked at all of us and told the entire class that only 50% would make it. He was right. Then he looked at the five of us women and said there was no point in our even coming to the next class. Talk about putting my back up against the wall. I took that as a personal challenge to not only succeed but prove him wrong. I was one of three women to make it through the class and I succeeded in the field for years. The last 20 of them operating my own gardening design and business service. 
To give the man credit, in my last semester, he called me out and told me I had talent and would probably do well. I, I, I know I say this all the time, but I do love a good rebellion. And I really love it when somebody's told you no or put you down or basically tried to make you stop or feel like you're less. And you know, you take that as a a challenge, as motivation, as inspiration, and really succeed and give people a big fuck you because how dare they try to make you feel like less, like you can't do something. You can do anything you fucking want. So yeah, I love, I love that rebellion. If you would like to be a Rebel of the Week, please do send in your story. It can be any kind of rebellion, big, small, or somewhere in between. And you can email your story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at rebelauthorpod. One new patron this week, a big welcome and a huge thank you to J. Renee Weaver. And also a massive thank you to all of my current patrons. You help to not only keep the podcast running, but make me feel like my potty mouth antics are worthwhile. If you would like to support the show and get access to all of the bonus content and um, Q&As and all of that good stuff, then you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And as always, that's Sasha with a C and not an S. Hello and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am joined by Meg Latour. Meg is a very good friend of mine, so I am super excited to have her on the show today. Meg is the author of The Cyborg Tinkerer, YouTuber on iWritely channel, creator of the free query critique platform, query hack, co-host of The Publishable Show, and blogger. Uh, on, on Writer's Digest, Savvy Authors, Writers Helping Writers, etc. Formerly, she worked at a literary agency and she has a background in magazine publishing, medical, technical writing and journalism. To learn more about Meg, you can visit her on her website, which uh, Meg will give all of the links to before the end of the show, and as well as uh, Twitter, Instagram, and all of those lovely things. So Meg, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to chat with you. Um, So before we uh, get into the juicy details of the show, tell everyone a little bit more about you and your writing journey and sort of how you got to where you are today. Yes, absolutely. Um, So hello, everyone. I'm Meg Latour. Uh, I'm a writer of adult science fiction and fantasy, and I hopefully uh, will be also an author of a romance one day as well. Um, As Sasha had mentioned before, my debut novel, The Cyborg Tinker, comes out fall of 2020. And by the time this podcast goes up, it should probably be available for pre-order. But um, I guess writing journey-wise, I am like a lot of those writers that, uh, you know, since I was a young and I always wanted to write. Um, I was I grew up in a family where it was encouraged definitely pursue your dreams and all of that but I'm a very practical person that I think I put the pressure on myself when I was going to college and having to pick a career that I was like I have to pick something that can earn money until because my goal is one day to be a full-time author so um, I did I pursued journalism I wrote for a bunch of newspapers for a while Um, I pursued technical writing before I left my full-time job I was the lead editor of a technical magazine that talked about pharmaceutical manufacturing. I do love science, but I had studied 
uh, writing in college, but a lot of technical stuff so that I could, you know, support myself and then transition to more like creative writing. So anyways, um, so I had always knew that I wanted to write. And I think I was always one of those writers that just, you know, wanted to do the thing. Yeah. So I worked in technical writing for a handful of years. And then I uh, started to learn about literary agencies and traditional publishing. I applied to work at a literary agency. I want to say in like 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. I ended up getting an internship and then I was promoted. And I worked at a literary agency for a couple of years. And then during that time, I started a YouTube channel. And that's kind of the history of how everything developed. <laughs> so you worked at a literary agency, as you've mentioned. So can you tell everyone a little bit about the differences between indie publishing or self-publishing um, and traditional publishing? Absolutely. So not to push my video at you guys, but I do have a series on my iWriterly YouTube channel about the pros and cons of traditional and self-publishing. And I definitely go into depth about those. But to have like a quick overview, if you guys don't know what traditional publishing is, it's where writers send their books to literary agents in the form of a query letter. And a query letter is just like a glorified cover letter. And in this query, writers pitch their books and try to convince an agent to represent their book. Um, if and when you secure, secure representation, um, the agent may work with you to edit your book prior to going on a process called submission and on submission is when the agent pitches your book to editors at publishing houses if the editor likes your book they will bring it to the acquisition team pitch it to them then that team will ultimately decide if they want to buy your book or not if they do the publishing house will offer the author an advance which is just a lump sum of money and then in return the author signs a handful of rights away what those rights are will depend on what you and your agent negotiate um, but anyways, typical rights that you sign away are things like English worldwide rights. Audio rights are a big thing right now. Usually you're going to, the publisher is going to want those right away too, because audiobooks are growing. But one of the pros of traditional publishing is that the author doesn't have to pay to publish their book. The publishing house pays for editing, cover design, and so forth. And you also have a team behind you to get like things like marketing support. And then some of the cons of traditional publishing are things like lack of creative control. The publisher has control over your book cover, which is usually a big deal for newbie authors. And then in addition, if you're writing a series, the publisher can buy book one. And if that book doesn't sell well, they can choose not to buy book two in the series. And if they don't, they have your rights. So it's really tricky to then like say self-publish book two in that series. And it's a, it's a long story and I won't get into it today. You can do it. It just takes a lot of time to maybe get your rights back, depending on what you sign away and then self-publishing as your audience is probably super aware of given you know that you're an indie author um, it's when you publish the book yourself so typically you're hiring a bunch of editors to um, edit the book cover designers so forth um, I would say the two biggest cons of self-publishing is a lack of support meaning that everything is up to the author you are your publisher you are the author you do everything yourself and that you have to cover the publishing costs and then the pros of self-publishing is the complete creative control and you are your own boss. You can choose your publishing timelines if you're a super speedy writer or you're a super slow writer, doesn't matter. But anyways, no one publishing path is better than the other. The best publishing path for an individual author and the book will just depend on your circumstances, the goals of you, the author, as well as your specific skill set. So if you hate marketing or you're maybe not super business minded, then maybe self-publishing isn't for you, et cetera, and so forth. So anyways. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, where was I? Yes, I think uh, no matter um, what path you go down these days, you are you will have to do some marketing. 
um, you know, uh, be it having a presence on social media or, you know, full blown doing hardcore marketing, be it ads or, or whatever else you do. Um, yes, completely agree. Um, that's a big misconception for traditionally published authors. If you guys are pursuing traditional publishing, you 100% are going to have to market in some capacity. A lot of traditionally published authors save 20 to 30% of their advance and put that towards marketing. So you are going to have to do marketing no matter the path. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, so, I, as you say, I do suspect most listeners are interested in indie publishing, but I suspect some of them may also be interested in either um, going down the traditional route for a book or perhaps being hybrid. Um, so, can you go through the process in a little bit more detail um, of what, what someone would do when pursuing, and we do call it pursuing because there are no guarantees, um, pursuing the traditional uh, publishing route. Absolutely. So again, I think every author should consider what they want for themselves and their career, meaning how do you define success for yourself? And then I encourage authors to think critically about what publishing path might be best for that particular book. So for example, The Cyborg Tinker is a steampunk space opera fairy tale mashup, and steampunk is a tough sale in traditional publishing. Therefore, kind of, I decided that it was this book would perform better in the indie space than traditional. So again, just look at yourself, your author, and see kind of what might be best for you. Um, look at your books, look at the market, see what's selling in traditional uh, first and foremost. You can look at places like Publishers Marketplace. You can look at Twitter. Many agents and editors are on Twitter and announcing deals. And then you can look at like interviews, podcasts, articles by industry pros. Carefully assess where the industry is at. So specifically what books are selling and if you think the traditional publishing market is open to your kind of book. Another example is just is out of favor right now and as we are recording this episode it's 2020 so if you've written a dystopian novel it might be better to go down the indie route than for traditional for that particular book or series another thing to consider is what genres and age categories that you want to write in if your book is published traditionally there are um, there are often options in your contract contract, excuse me, which usually means the editor and a publishing house get to see the next book that you write first. So if you, um, they have the chance to like purchase that book or not, right? So your agent should be negotiating this. And maybe if you sold like a young adult fantasy, you'd want to, your agent to negotiate, the publisher would see your next young adult fantasy and not any fantasy or anything that you write next. But if you only want to write young adult fantasy and you want to have books published traditionally and self-published, you're going to face some challenges in that, you know, maybe your publisher gets the option to see your next book and then you're going to have to, you know, basically kind of follow that option, fulfill your contract before you have a chance to self-publish the book. Versus if you, in your option, you maybe write young adult fantasy for traditional publishing, if you're a hybrid author, and then you can write romance, and that's not gonna be in your contract. So if you want to pursue hybrid publishing, I really recommend carefully considering what age categories and genres that you write or want to write, if you can at all, split up maybe you know, traditional publishing is one age category and genre and indie is another age category and genre is a really easy way to do it. You don't have to do it like that. I would, it just seems to be the most seamless option. Um, but anyways, whatever you do, talk with your agent. Don't self-publish a book without talking to them first about your intentions and your hopes because, you know, you don't want to violate any contracts you have if you're pursuing hybrid. So 
And, and, and talking uh, and going in a bit more depth about violating contracts, what other mistakes do you see authors making when trying to pursue the traditional route? That is a great question. Um, I would say the biggest issues that authors are making is not researching agents. So if you're querying a literary agent, you know, what genres do they take? Do they not take fantasy and you write fantasy? They don't query that person. Um, think about what those agents have sold in the past. And that is something you can look up on someplace like Publishers Marketplace. Are these agents currently open to queries? A lot of times agents will close for a period of time for various reasons. Another big mistake is not following the submission guidelines when querying. So if they say send an email or use a query submission form, whatever it is, do exactly what they say. If like, don't try to send them your query letter in a social media DM or if they take a query submission form, don't try to send them an email and cut the line. Cutting the line is super uncool. Uh, another thing you would want to do is if they say send me your query and synopsis and opening pages, you send them exactly what they ask for. Don't send your whole manuscript just because you feel like it. Listen to the submission guidelines. And if they say give me attachments, no attachments, whatever it is, follow those guidelines. Another thing is no mass emailing agents versus querying individually it's like I, I feel a little silly saying this but it does happen a lot where people cc like a gazillion agents in a single email um another issue is not researching the market so what we talked about previously is your book out of favor in the current market like dystopian is out of favor in 2020 uh, last mistake I'll mention here is not editing the book enough. So a lot of writers will send their first drafts to agents and then kind of expect the agents and editors to hold their hand and edit their book for them, kind of. And you really want to be bringing your, like putting your best foot forward, bringing a fantastic edited manuscript to an agent because some agents, they're not editorial agents. By the time you get the book, that should thing should be super sparkly because they're sending it right off to editors at publishing houses. And while you do do some editing at the publishing house, you're like, they expect a quality product by the time it gets there, not a sloppy first draft. So work with critique partners and beta readers, not just one draft. Don't just edit it up for punctuation. Work with your critique partners two to three times through the manuscript and then get beta readers. Maybe do another two to three times. Everyone's process is different. There's no one exact quantity that you should go through your book, but definitely, definitely no first drafts. Um, and that's that definitely goes for anybody self-publishing as well. Do not ever publish your first draft. Um, okay, so we all know agents and publishers get thousands of submissions every year. So what makes an author stand out when they try and pursue the traditional uh, route? Basically everything I kind of said before in the previous question. So follow the submission guidelines, do your research on the market or agent, show that you're you know, willing to work hard and do your homework, write a polished book. So working with critique partners on many drafts of your book and not sending that first draft, getting feedback on your query and synopsis. So get like, Quite literally, send your query letter to a bunch of your critique partners, ask for feedback, send it to people who have read the book and people who haven't read the book to see if it makes sense. And your synopsis, for those who are listening, if you don't know what that is, it's a one to two page document that's separate from your query letter. It summarizes everything that happens in the book. You have all the spoilers, all the things. And send that to people that have read the book and haven't read the book, get feedback on that. 
You also want to do your own homework on the industry. And then, um, not to shoot my own horn here, but the iWriterly YouTube channel, I, I constantly have agents come in and talk about various topics. So it's even something as simple as writers watching videos with agents or writers and going to, you know, listening to podcasts by agents. Uh, there's the Print Run podcast, which is by two literary agents, and you can learn so much about the modern book publishing industry through, you know, various avenues of just going out there and educating yourself. Um, and so what about um, writing the blurb or the query letter? Because lots of people um, struggle with that. Any any kind of broad brush rules for writing um, their, their letters? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just if, again, not to like toot my own horn, but or not to reference my own stuff, but if you guys want to learn more, definitely check out the Query Hack series on the iWriterly website. But if you want to learn how to write a query letter, again, it's like a one-page cover letter that's specific to the book publishing industry. And there's typically, there's two different formats. I'm going to go with the genre fiction format. So if you're nonfiction, I don't specialize in nonfiction. I'm sorry, it's going to be different. Genre fiction. Uh, first paragraph is usually personalization and your metadata. So that, or metadata, I never say it right. So if personalization is why you're querying that literary agent, and you know it could be something as simple as they're accepting your age category and genre. You're writing young adult fantasy, they accept young adult fantasy. Or it could be, I met you at a conference, we had a great time, you, you liked my last book, but you weren't interested in representing it, so I'm querying you again. It could be any reason why you're querying them. Don't go crazy, you know, just, just quick and to the point, a sentence. And then your metadata. So it's your word count, age category, and genre, your book title, and then if you are, if like the book is own voices, if there's LGBTQ um, representation, if there is um, dual POV, which means the book is written from more than one perspective, if it's multi POV, so it's like more than two, uh, then, so that's your first paragraph. After that is the blurb. So that's, or the plot summary, depends on who you ask and what they call it. So that's one to three paragraphs where you summarize kind of like what your book is about. And when I say summarize, it's not giving everything away. It's like the stuff on the back of the book jacket. So it's usually one to three paragraphs where you introduce your main character, the opening conflicts, what do they want? What's in the way of getting the, what they want? Some world building stuff, if it's like science fiction or fantasy. And then that final paragraph is the stakes. So what happens if they achieve their goal what happens if they fail and then the final paragraph is a bio and that if you don't have any credentials or published works yet it could just be as simple as hey i work at this is a day job i have two dogs i live in california whatever it is and then quick uh, wrap it up and that's basically what your query letter should be about and just remember that the point of the blurb is to make the agent want to read more so don't list facts you want to write it in such a way that you're showing off your skills as a writer maybe showing some of the voice of your character in that plot summary but it's third person present tense mm. yeah and, and that's really important to know that it should be third person present tense because i suspect yeah. lots of people um wouldn't actually know that i i said that's new information to me um although i haven't tried to query but um yeah i would not have known that um, okay, so you've mentioned a little bit um, about the, although you've worked in the trad world, you've decided to self-publish your book. So, um, and, and obviously you've mentioned a bit about the reasons uh, for it, you know, genres that are in favour and out of favour. But what other things should authors consider when trying to decide which book they should self-publish and which they should try to pursue um, trad with? 
Yeah, absolutely. Big question. So I'm going to take that in sections. Um, so just for, for me personally, I, I want to be a hybrid author, meaning I want to have self-published books and books published traditionally, ultimately at some point. So it was for me, it was all about deciding which came first, traditional or self. And that might be the same for listeners uh, today. So I chose a self-publishing route for the Cyborg Tinkerer for a few reasons. I can write a series. In traditional publishing, you aren't guaranteed to write a series as a publisher may or may not purchase subsequent books and then series perform really well in the indie space and so that was like a perk for the indies and then higher royalties for the indie indie space and for me personally I'm a mom I'm a wife I have a mortgage so it was a better chance to help financially support my family and then steampunk often doesn't perform well in traditional publishing it can but it's a really tough sale right now it's kind of like dystopian where people repackage it and reformat it and they don't always call it steampunk and I just love steampunk so I was like hey, you know what you know um, indie might be the better option for me in this book so for authors considering you know what do they want to do hi for hybrid consider what are your goals as an author and specifically for this book if your goal is to make a best-selling list or win an award traditional publishing might be the best route for you it's a lot easier to hit those best-selling lists as a traditionally published author. There's various reasons for it. Go online, Google it, look, uh, look it up. But a lot of times, like indie authors, for example, have a really tough time of hitting like lists like New York Times. Um, think about also like your skill set. Are you digitally savvy? Are you open to marketing your book? completely by yourself like we said before you're going to have to mark your book in some capacity whether you go traditional or indie do you like being your own boss as an indie author you're basically your own boss running your own business and then do you need others to give you a deadline to accomplish work so maybe indie wouldn't work for you because you just can't hit deadlines because you don't have someone else imposing those deadlines on you so again consider your skill sets and then do you want to write a series again for the reason i mentioned before do you want to make, like, is your goal making money? Is your goal, or like, for a list? Do you have an existing platform for someone like me with my YouTube channel? You know, Indie kind of makes a little bit more sense because I have a little bit more reach than just the average author. And then are you able and willing to learn about how to publish a book? So for Indie, you're obviously going to have to do that. Yep. And I absolutely love um, when you were talking about, you know, uh, whether or not uh, somebody is business minded or not, because I think so many people underestimate the fact that as soon as you earn a single cent from your book, you become a business person. Yep. And of course, you know, if you're going going to pursue the traditional route, some of that is taken care, care of for you. But, you know, if you are going to be an indie author, then you absolutely have to look at this as a business if you want to do this as a career and full time. Of course, if you are just publishing because, you know, you've written a book that you, you love and you would like to share it and you're not necessarily worried about making lots of money to pay mortgages or whatever, then fine. But if you if you do want to do this full time then you have to set up a business and you know you have to split your income from your personal bank accounts and all of these things so that it is such a good point and um one that i think you know many people who are still at the drafting stage perhaps don't think about until all of a sudden they've got all of this money coming into their banks and uh you know you, you the irs is going to come for you <laughs> <laughs> or the tax one if you are in the UK um, or, or anywhere else in the world for that matter um, 
uh, where am I? Okay, so yes, myths. Tell me there are lots of myths about the... There are, in fact, there are lots of myths about the indie world as well. But <laughs> what do you think the biggest myths are for the traditional uh, world of publishing? Yeah, I think one of the biggest myths, and one I hear a lot of times on Twitter when, um, you know, aspiring authors kind of tweet at me, one of the biggest myths is that newbie or aspiring authors unknown, like someone that has never been published before, never get published traditionally. That is so wildly untrue. Debut authors have books coming out every single year, and it's not just the veteran authors getting books published. So it's not just like the Stephen Kings of the world getting published, and of course they are, but there's new authors with books coming out every single year. You don't have to know someone or have some connection to be published traditionally. You have to have a good book and, you know, query an agent and go through all the stuff that we talked about. And uh, I think I heard a statistic somewhere that there were about several hundred debuts in 2018. I don't know what the statistic is for 2019, but agents are constantly on the hunt for fantastic books. And those books can come and do come from unknown authors. So if you're like an, like a, aspiring debut author take heart you can absolutely get your book out there it's just going to take a lot of hard work and the best thing you can do for yourself is just write the best book that you can and polish it up as best as you can before querying okay um so a, a bit more of an opinion question really i suppose do you think uh, because of indie publishing the amount of submissions to um traditional publishers has risen or fallen in terms of what agents um you know and publishing houses are receiving or do you think it's just stayed completely the same i think this is like my response to this is probably going to be a few years old as far as like what I personally know versus what like my agent friends have told me. But when I was at the agency, I would say that there hasn't been like a, a fewer people that queried. I, I think it's, it's all dependent upon what is best for the author. So I remember seeing a lot of queries from indie authors where they would, uh, you know, they had self-published a couple of books. It hadn't gone well for them. And then they were like, you know, I think traditional is the route for me. And then vice versa. Some people might try traditional and be like, no, 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 I think indie's the route for me. So it's really hard to measure um, as well, given the fact that most agencies receive thousands of queries each year, or maybe an individual agent receives thousands of queries each year, and then combine that with, I don't know, four, six, 10, 15 agents, depending on how big the agency is. So I would say that the biggest changes that are a result of indie authors growing and being successful is that more indie authors are approaching agents to manage their foreign and sub rights while they self-publish in English and audio. I think I said that right. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say this is biggest in romance, but I really hope to see this grow in other genres and age categories as well. Um, one of my side projects is a YouTube show called Publishable, which features a literary agent, Caitlin Johnson, and USA Today bestselling indie author, Courtney, also known as Lyra Parrish and Kennedy Fox. And we talk about the difference between self and traditional publishing, misconceptions, and so forth. Anyways, one of our episodes was on the topic of indie authors getting agents and why it could be helpful. And um, I think it was called Why All Authors Need Literary Agents. It's the sixth episode, and I can give Sasha the link afterwards. But I remember Courtney was sharing how she specifically works with like literary agents for those foreign rights so that she doesn't have to deal with it. So I feel like right now there aren't a whole lot of agents that accept um, uh, query letters and stuff from indie authors for foreign and sub rights if they don't manage the English and audio outside of romance, but I hope that this will expand more so outside of a romance genre. 
Yeah, and I I do I have um, indie author friends who um, certainly in the non-fiction sphere are finding that easier. So that might just be a um, a genre thing, and I suspect you're right, and that will increase because they may not have a choice. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a question, and I can't remember. Why I asked this. <laughs> but anyway, my question is: Why do you? Th- what do you think of the traditional scene with a certain big five house going up for sale? What, what, where do you think the future of traditional publishing is going? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think mergers and acquisitions happen in all industries and for many reasons. It's not always a reason to be fearful. Many times positive things come out of mergers and acquisitions. So a lot of the mergers have happened in recent years, like Penguin and Random House merged, Hachette Book Group acquired Perseus Books, um, News Corporation acquired Harlequin. But I do think that um, it's a little concerning for authors with outstanding books at publishing houses that are up for sale. So the obvious concern is what if a publisher goes under? But I think the more immediate um, example is what if an author's book went up for auction and they had a chance to pick between several publishers? So when a book goes up for auction, that simply means that um, an author and agent, they were going on submission, several editors offered on the book at the same time, and then there's an auction. And quite literally, you know, the publishing houses will try to offer more than the other to get the book. So Um, if that happened to an author and the publisher that they chose uh, might have promised them certain things such as certain types of marketing but if that publisher was acquired by someone else it will disrupt all the things so that the author was promised like how their books are supported any future books that were promised for options so um, I think another thing is that editors might be let go which is called being orphaned in traditional publishing and if like an author was supposed to work with an editor that editor initially acquired the book you may get a new editor who doesn't have the same vision for your book or series and that could cause obvious tension if there isn't like the same vision for the book. Anyways, I think the obvious observation here is that the publishing industry is constantly changing and consolidating, which leaves many authors wondering if they should go the indie route. And I would say with the rise of Amazon and eBooks, traditional publishers have been challenged to adapt their traditional business model, and some have done so better than others. But I think that um, these are just more reasons that authors really should consider hybrid publishing so that their eggs aren't all in one basket because there's so much that you can't control in traditional publishing and indie as well but again i think it just it's really good idea to have like your eggs in multiple baskets yeah no i completely agree and that is one of my ethos is for um my whole business is to you know a well just have all of my eggs across many many baskets and um that's why i really wanted to talk to you because you know much as i am fiercely um independent and you know have always been an indie author uh, the traditional route is something i would it pursue at some point because not necessarily for um you know a- any one particular series or anything but it's something that i'm interested in because i would like at some point to win awards you know uh if i am uh, if 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 i am good enough or, or whatever so um and i know that you can do that as an indie author but to some extent it is easier um if you are one of the chosen few that, that get through the gatekeepers in the um traditional world um and funnily enough um uh, the the next book I'm writing the scent of death is one that I if if I hadn't already got the cover I would be querying it because I yeah yeah because I think the book is um 
it's sort of it's quite contemporary and there are a lot of contemporary um young adult books at the moment um yep. and um you know there are lots of books that I can say well it's like this one and it's like this one and it's like this one so for mm-hmm. me I'm like actually there's lots of very popular authors who are writing books that are similar however um because I'm self-publishing it I'm aging the character up and I'm putting it taking it slightly away from the contemporary and into the fantasy but if I if I hadn't done that then I would have you know kept it in that contemporary pure contemporary niche and I would have traditionally created it but I got a cover and I love my cover and it's amazing it's too late now (laughs) and I I refuse to give it up and this is the other thing that I I really struggle with because I am a massive control freak and I really just don't know how I feel about somebody else deciding you know uh that my cover is going to look like this or um that I have to change x character or y ending or whatever um I love the idea of being traditionally published but then when I think about the practicalities and the what you know I don't bend the knee to anybody (laughs) and so the minute I'm like oh well I'd have to do that I'm like no I would have to write a book that I didn't care about almost in a way I think and I just don't think that would happen because if I'm going to spend you know, hundreds of hours writing a book, then, you know, you fall in love with it, don't you? Yeah, you're bound to, like, enjoy the book and be connected to it. Exactly. But I would like to be hybrid at at some point, you know, just to, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Try it out. But yeah. I will say, though, um, one of the authors, traditionally published authors that I interviewed on iWriterly, his name's Michael Mame. He's a science, adult science fiction author. Um, one of the things I talked with him about was like, you know, hey, when your books are being acquired, I think he's got three or four four books out by now. Um, have were any of the like the editors who edited your book content wise did they try and change some big stuff for you was there any feedback that you didn't agree with and for in his experience you know if the editor was any like I think you should go in this direction of the book, especially if it was sold based on option or based on outline like they he hadn't written it yet and the editor was like, What about this? You have the like the like you have the freedom to talk with your editor and being like hey I don't see it going that way what do you think about this so there is an open dialogue there's no one coming down usually with a hard fist saying you must write this character this way um or at least that was his experience so I would say that is something that a lot of authors are fearful of and I don't think it's exceedingly often at this point in time might have been different in the past but I would say in 2020 um, more editors are collaborative than they were in the past mm, mm, yeah okay I, <laughs> I am I am somewhat convinced also and also for the center death because it, it started out as a standalone and so it just it would have worked much better I mean I have now now I've more or less ch- chosen to go indie with it I've sort of got a, a sequel in you know percolating I would say although it's still standalone so yeah part of me is still like oh do I give up the cover and try but no I just think I'm well we'll see when I've written it anyway um okay this is the rebel author podcast so tell me about a time you unleashed your inner rebel oh dang uh okay let's see um Honestly, I think my biggest rebel moment is presently in the works with the publication of The Cyborg Tinkerer. Um, Which is amazing. Which is amazing. (laughs) I have had the pleasure of reading it, guys. And it is amazing. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. Thank you. Um, But yeah, so... 
I grew up in a really conservative community that I would say wasn't really open to LGBTQ or anything that wasn't, you know, cisgender, straight monogamy sort of a thing. So in many ways, the cyborg tinker is kind of my way, I guess, of challenging societal norms and the way people think about LGBTQ+, polyamory, and more. Um, And as a bisexual woman, I kind of wanted to tell a story from the perspective of a bisexual woman, but uh, my including things like polyamory romance was sort of on accident, and then, like, I just wrote these characters, and I was like, ooh, what what if I did this thing over here? Um, But anyways, it became my way of rebelling against societal standards of what is right and wrong, and I'm doing with the finger quotations, y'all can't see me but there's some finger quotations in here and I think if everyone you know in a romantic relationship is consensual you know who the heck cares if it's like polyamory monogamy but anyways same thing for LGBTQ plus um you know a lot of people are treated really poorly in that space and kind of Ah, I just want to be like, love is love. And so I think in a lot of ways, this book is my little rebellion. And of course, my book takes place in a fictional world with fictional characters. But I think all books are somewhat of a social discourse of what is happening in the world at the time of writing the book. So uh, I'm not trying to push any, you know, political agendas on anybody. But I I would say that this book was my little bit of a my my big rebellion. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think no matter what an author says, there is always a piece of them in their book. Book, whether that be in in the embodiment of a character or in a theme well, yeah whether it be in the theme or um through a, an undertone or something but there is always a, a reflection of the author's like i don't care what anybody says it's so true mm-hmm. um and i i swore that there was none of me in my first book and then um my one of my friends who's a teacher had um t- took like a one of her exceptional like excelled students group with her students and they basically pulled out a profile of what they thought the author was like and oh my god they had me down to tea i was like what <laughs> like how the hell did they find all this out clearly she's an excellent teacher um but i was mortified because i was like no way anyway yeah you all I, put I stuff do, in your books <laughs> i do want to clarify though that there's a difference between having a piece of yourself in your book or in your characters versus a self-insert. I wouldn't say that for my characters. None of them are self-insert, but all, like I have three main characters. I would say all of them have a small piece of me in them because I wrote these characters. Of course, they're going to have a small piece of me. How could they not? Um, But, you know, I think that, again, there's a difference between self-insert and then writing what you know. Absolutely. Oh, and these kids were picking up things like, oh, they think that the author is probably a conspiracist. I was like, <laughs> what? This is not even a dystopian book, can I point out? I don't know how they figured it out, but anyway, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't self-insert bits, but it was, it was things like that. that I was like, I literally don't understand how they've come up with this. Anyway, um, okay, so um, you've mentioned lots of things like uh, your query hack series and the publishable, so we will um, put all of those links into the show notes. Um, I think there was pros and cons of traditional um, as well, which which will go in. Um, but can you? tell listeners where they can find out more about you and your books and your iWriterly channel. Absolutely. You can find me on YouTube under iWriterly, on Instagram under at Meg underscore Latour and on Twitter at Meg 
Latour, no underscore. Uh, my website is iWriterly.com, which includes links to my monthly newsletter, Patreon, merchandise store, as well as all of the information about the Cyborg Tinkerer. I believe at the time this is going out, my book will be available for pre-order. So if a steampunk space opera, fairy tale mashup, and a cyborg circus during a deadly competition sounds like your thing, definitely go and pre-order it now on your reading platform of choice. It will be in all the places, and it will be available in ebook, paperback, and hardback, and the audiobook is in the works. Thank you so much, Meg, for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you to all of my patrons as well. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, uh, as well as lots of bonus material, then you can by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black, and that's Sasha with a C. Thank you very much for listening today. I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to Meg Latour and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'll be joined by Lisa Lepke from Pro Writing Aid and we have an awesome nerd out about uh, editing and characters and, yeah, improving our stories. So join me next week for that. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.